What is the benefit of the new habit? And what is the disadvantage of the old habit? Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. In this video, we're gonna be talking about habits, how to break them, how to change them, what they are, and why most people get stuck with them. If you don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo. I'm the owner of Mojo Human Performance Institute. We focus on business, mindset, and lifestyle hacking for driven mofos, because most people waste their life, and I just don't want you to be one of them. Okay, so let's talk about one of my favorite quotes. This is an amazing quote that I absolutely love, and it will change the way you think about habits. And it is a quote that I originally heard from Warren Buffett, but it was by Samuel Johnson, and that is, the chains of habit are too light to be felt until they're too heavy to be broken. Now, most people that I come across or who attend our events have some habits that they wanna change, and they wanna change them, but they know that they're hard to change. And they're hard to change, not because they're hard to change, but because they've just reinforced them for so long that now they're trying to create a new habit. That habit is a, I guess you could say, a lighter habit that now they, they have to have a battle with the old habit to try to create a new one. Now, let's talk about what a habit really is. Let's go to neuroscience first. So when we're talking about a habit, we're essentially talking about a circuit in the brain that essentially gets fired and it has a whole bunch of perceptions. Those perceptions create a story, a belief, and a meaning. So when we're creating habits, we're essentially creating a whole bunch of stories, beliefs, and meanings that are attaching around us doing something. Maybe it's an action or maybe it's a behavior or, or an action or a behavior, or maybe it's a thought process. Maybe it's an emotional state that we have. But there's this causal chain or this chain that, that happens in our brain that then has an on-flow effect. In my events, I go into a lot of the neuroscience and stuff of how this stuff works, but essentially we start with a perception. That perception creates a story, belief, and a meaning. That story, belief, and the meaning fires and wires or is created through the firing and wiring of circuits in the brain. There's something called Hebb's Law or Hebbian Theory, and it states that circuits in the brain that fire together, wire together. Then from there, our brain has to tell the rest of the cells in our body what to do. And it does that through the excitation or the inhibition of certain cells. And it does that through a chemical process. That chemical process is normally hormones or neuropeptides. They get released, they flood through the body and they tell our cells to do things. That there then helps to create certain actions and behaviors. And th that change in the chemistry of our body also changes the way we feel. So our thought process essentially are the influencer or the driver of our emotions and also the drivers of our behavior. So our mind is the thing or our thoughts are the things that then drive the rest of the chain. Then that chain reinforces those thought processes. So there is a bit of a debate in our psychology and also neuroscience whether the emotion drives the thought or the thought drives the emotion. But if you understand how human perceptions are created and you get into the neuroscience of that, you'll see that there is a very specific moment where a thought is created. It's created through the perceptions and then that creates a story, belief, and a meaning. And then from there, it changes the chemistry in the body, the emotions and the thoughts then drive the behavioral process. And then the behaviors reinforce the thoughts. So we go through this cycle. A habit is essentially that cycle reinforcing itself. So we have the perception, creates the thought. The thought then changes the chemistry. The chemistry and the thought drive the behavior. The behavior then reinforces the thought and over and over again, and we create, we keep creating this habit. So we have habits of thought, we have habits of action, and we also have habits of emotion. They're sort of the three main habits, I guess, that you could think about. So when we're talking about changing a habit, what we're doing is from a neuroscience point of view, there's this stuff called myelin. That's fatty tissue that wraps around a nerve fiber. So you've got the nerve fiber, then you've got this fatty tissue that wraps around the outside. Now our 
body really is a survival mechanism. Now, if you put on too much muscle mass, like when I train in the gym hard, if I take a week off, I start losing a little bit of muscle mass. If you're someone who has a large amount of fat and you don't eat for a while, you then lose that fat because your body is trying to go into a conservation mode and it's trying to keep as much storage as it can for survival mode. And it's trying to figure out what's important and what's not important. Now with our thought processes, our brain's always figuring out what's important and what's not important. Where can it conserve energy? How can it use energy the best? And so in our brain, we have certain thoughts that are not important and our brain says, well, they're not important, don't worry about them. But thoughts that we use over and over and over again says, well, this is important. So how do we make sure that we keep that as an important thought? Now under emotional intensity, let's say there's something that happens in your life and it creates a strong emotional intensity. Our brain will then fire and wire a circuit really, really strongly and wrap myelin or fatty tissue around that nerve fiber so that next time it can fire off easier, more frequently, fire off more consistently. So it does that because that's the easiest way of doing it. Now, the way that the fatty tissue works is that if you've got two nerve fibers and let's say you put them together and they both run an electronic signal through uh, the nerve fibers, what can happen is you get interference, just like if I grab my phone. And by the way, if you're a neuroscientist, I'm butchering this a little bit, but I'm trying to keep it as simple as I can. If you get a, let's say my water bottle here, if you're looking on YouTube uh, or on any of the video channels, um, but if you're not, I'll describe it. Let's say I've got my water bottle here and it's a speaker. So I have a speaker and I have my mobile phone. I put the mobile phone near the speaker and someone calls me. You get distortion through that speaker and you hear the feedback or, or the, the buzzing and all that stuff through the speaker. The reason why that happens is due to this interference process. Now we've got trillions upon trillions of these nerve cells in our brain and our brain's trying to figure out what's important, what's not important, or our body's trying to figure out what's important, what's not important. Which ones to fire off more frequently and more readily and easier and which ones not to. What's important, what's not important. And so the important ones, it wraps fatty tissue around so that when another nerve is close to it, it doesn't get interference so that it can fire off faster and more frequently. That's why we have this fatty tissue that wraps around these nerve fibers. So the more we keep thinking the same thought over and over and over again, the more we myelinate or put fatty tissue around that nerve to say that this is important. So let's say you get home from work, you eat chocolate, and tomorrow night you get home from work and you eat chocolate, and the night after you get home from work and you eat chocolate, and you do this consistently over a one-year period. You've done that 365 times, your brain then fires and wires that circuit consistently through something called Hebb's Law or Hebbian Theory, which state that circuits in the brain that fire together wire together. It keeps firing that circuit. And now all of a sudden, you've got this fatty tissue that's wrapped around the outside so that it fires off more frequently and, and easier and more conveniently. And now you want to stop eating chocolate. And this is a new habit. Your brain's gone, yeah, but the chocolate one is easy to fire. We can fire it more frequently and it, it needs less energy to fire off that circuit. But now you want to create a new habit, which is you're on this new health kick and your brain goes, but hang on, let's keep firing off this circuit because it's easier. And so it will naturally go back to the old habit because it is easy to fire that off. Now, under strong emotional intensity, your brain will also myelinate the nerve fiber a lot easier and more frequently because it considers that to be important and a survival response. So let's say there's a car accident and it happens, you become hyper aware of that situation, your brain can fire off that circuit quite strong, quite rapidly, and it will myelinate a lot faster um, according to some of the, the science that or the literature I've come across, um, because it's a survival response and your brain needs to make sure that you keep surviving. So it will make sure that that myelin is there because of intensity of the emotional situation and the perception that you've created. So now you're trying to create a new habit, but your brain's going, yeah, but the, let's keep using the other circuit because that one's already there. It's already easier. And it's almost like where you've run a hose for long enough on the ground and the soil starts to separate and it naturally starts to create a little, a little river. If you run that for long enough, it will create a massive, it'll create a stream and then a river. 
the same thing happens in your brain. If you run something for long enough, it will create a stream within that circuit where it'll just naturally keep going in that same pattern. This is why it can be a little bit harder to change habits sometimes. But all essentially a habit is, is circuits in the brain that are fired and wired together. Then from there, you've got an addiction. Now addiction is just a habit. It's a habit that you've fired and wired and, and it's, sometimes it's done under emotional intensity and so it becomes quite strong. But they're the same thing. When I have people who come to me and they say, I wanna crack an addiction, Essentially, it's the same process of just recreating new habit. So there's a couple of easy ways to do this. The first one that's not so easy is that you can fight yourself consistently to create the new habit, uh, which is what most people do. You know, I shouldn't eat chocolate. Chocolate's bad. I shouldn't eat that chocolate. And so they come against this battle. Oh, I really want chocolate. No, I can't have chocolate. And so you'll have this internal dialogue fight. That's the first way that most people change a habit. And it's the one that takes the most amount of time. It takes the most amount of energy. Normally, you'll fuck it up when you're tired and you're lethargic or you're burnt out because your brain will go back to using the circuit that's easy. When you've got a lot of energy, it's easy to fight off those thoughts. But when when it's not, when you're tired and burnt out, like on a Friday night after a big week of work, then all of a sudden now you're eating chocolate again, or now you're having a beer and you said you weren't going to have a beer for a month. That happens because you're tired and you're burnt out. It's been a busy week and whatever. So when energy's high, it's easy to change habits. But when energy's low, it's a lot harder. The other way to do it is if you grab a pen and paper and write down anywhere between one to 2,000 reasons why it is important to have the new habit. Every time you think of a new thought around why it's important to have that new habit, you'll fire a circuit and link it all together. And it's called, it's a linking process. Dr. John Z. Martini was the one who made me aware of this, but you can essentially change a habit within an hour or two if you can just link. So let's say I wanna give up chocolate. If I just sit there and think, or ask the question, why is eating a clean diet important? And I write that down, okay? And it might be because my it increases my energy. Why else is eating a clean diet important? Because it allows me to connect more with people. I feel better about myself. I feel more alive. I'm more energetic. I'm more enthusiastic. I will exercise harder. I'll feel better about myself. My confidence will go up. My self-worth will go up. I'll be able to speak more in front of people because I won't be worried about my body image and the way that I look and so on. Every time you keep adding to that, your brain fires and wires a new circuit and it keeps linking all these circuits in your brain. And then that eventually, if you do it right, will become the new habit because now you've fired off those circuits enough time. Now you might also do the disadvantages of eating chocolate. And every time you create a disadvantage of eating chocolate, it actually creates a pain response so it stops you from doing it. So you wanna look at what are the benefits of doing the new habit and the disadvantages of doing the old habit. And should you link a lot of thoughts around that or a lot of beliefs around that? it will actually drive you to change the habit really, really quickly. And the way that you do that is you just ask yourself the question, what is the benefit of the new habit? And what is the disadvantage of the old habit? Okay, and that's the easiest way to, to create a habit. And sometimes you can do it within an hour or two. So I've read all this different research and different literature. Some people say you can create a habit within you know 21 days. Some people say it's 26. I've read literature that normally is around anywhere between 26 to 365 days, but some people have been trying to create habits and, and change of habits for the last 20 years. Like I've worked with smokers who have tried to change their smoking habit for 20 years and nothing changes. So it can be longer than that as well. It all depends on how much effort and energy you put behind that habit change and how many times you fight and why that circuit. I mean, if you say I shouldn't smoke and you stop yourself from smoking once, but then you have three cigarettes afterwards, you're firing and wiring three pleasurable moments with one change, I guess you could say, or one moment where you're changing that habit. So you're essentially fighting against yourself. So my suggestion is if you want to change habits, go and find reasons to change that habit and link it as many times as you can and write it down on paper. In fact, if you're online right now and you're watching this on YouTube, here's one that I've done right now. You can see on that bit of paper there, I won't show you what it is because it might be, uh, oh no, it's, it's okay. But um, 
that's me linking. I just write all the reasons over the top of each other. You can't even read it because I just write all the things over the top of each other because I don't need to read them. I just need my brain to link it. And so every time I think of it, I write it down. Every time I think of it, I write it down. Every time I think of another one, I write it down. Every time I think of another one, I write it down. And I just keep thinking of all the benefits of the new habit and my brain will eventually click it. And after that, it's done. Now, if I stuff up the habit again, like let's just say I want to give up chocolate and I link the benefits of eating healthy and I write down all the disadvantages of not eating chocolate, then my goal is to go out and test it. Now, let's say I go three weeks without eating chocolate and I eat chocolate again and I don't want to eat chocolate anymore. I just go back and I keep adding to the process that I've already done. So I'll write down more benefits of eating a healthy diet without chocolate and then I will uh, write down the disadvantages of eating chocolate again and I'll keep going until my until I just stop. That's all that it is. Sometimes even after we give up a habit, we'll go back and we'll test it out. I've worked with people who have used drugs before and they don't want to use drugs and I'll always let them know. You'll probably go and you'll test it again. But watch what happens. You'll probably feel like shit. You'll hate yourself. You won't enjoy it and the enjoyment will just go and you'll realize that taking drugs is not the thing that you want to do anymore. Okay, and then normally they'll do that. They'll test it once or twice and they go, actually, I felt like shit, I hated it. And then they just stop taking it. I think part of the addiction model that's broken is that people get told that um, they should never take it again. And so they have this pleasure or pain, good and bad, right and wrong inside their own head. And what will happen is if they test it again, they feel like they're fucked up and they've let everybody down. So they go through these huge binge cycles and those binge cycles could last a day, they could last a week, they could last a month, they could last for a while until they want to stop again. So people will normally give up. They'll go to like, let's say they go to an addiction a rehab center, they'll give up the drug, they get told that it's bad. They identify themselves as a drug addict or an alcoholic and they say, I am a drug addict and an alcoholic. And so they keep reinforcing these patterns and these thought processes that they have this fucking problem. You know, they'll go back out and they might be at a party. And so they try a little bit of alcohol and then they get told that alcohol normally leads to, to drug taking and all of that sort of stuff. So then it reminds them that, the, that drug taking is part of it. And then so they start taking all that stuff again. They feel like shit. They feel guilty. They beat themselves up, which then makes them feel worse. Then they want to feel better about themselves. So they drink more and they take more drugs. And off this vicious cycle goes again. It's a fucked up cycle. Uh, it's not fucked up for them. It's fucked up the way that we communicate with people about what addiction is. And then they go through this cycle and then they try and give it all up again. Instead of what I tell them is that you're going to try it again. Like you'll probably try alcohol again. You'll probably try drugs again. Don't worry about it. Like you'll test it, but you'll feel shit when you do it. Watch what happens. Like watch how you feel afterwards. Watch how you feel and the guilt that you feel when you're about to take it. Watch those things and then they become more self-aware and they go to take it and they're like, actually, shit, I felt really guilty. I felt shit. And now the thing that used to give them pleasure now creates pain in that moment and it stops them from doing it. I've worked with drug addicts who test it out two or three times and then they just stop. But it's just it's just a matter of thinking about it differently. It's just a habit. Yes, there is a, chemi there is a chemistry change. It can, there can be a chemistry change, but the majority of it is a psychological change. And it's the way that the, the circuits in the brain are fired and wired together. Okay. Anyway, I hope that helps. Um, please remember to subscribe, like, and share as most people waste their life. And I just don't want you to be one of them. The more people we can share this with, the better. So please, if you're one of those people who I've noticed is sharing it on their social media platforms, has been sharing this with their friends, has been shooting out emails and saying, hey, listen to this. I really do appreciate it because I find out about these things. People come to me and they say, this person told me about your podcast. And I had someone the other day who said, um, I've been listening to your podcast. And I said, who told you? And they told me, and I went, awesome. I love to reward those people in our community. In fact, I've got a dinner this weekend for people who tend to refer a lot to us. So those people who tend to refer within our community, I take them out to dinner, who are part of our Odyssey business and entrepreneurial mastermind. I'll, I take them out to dinner. I tend to reward people who help me. It's part of the law of value exchange. You know, The people who help me, I wanna help the most. Um, and so please, if you are one of those people who uh, has been sharing, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. 
For those of you who have been liking and rating the podcast, I really appreciate it. For those of you who have been subscribing on our YouTube channel, I really appreciate it as well. Um, and for those of you who have written uh, feedback or um, reviews on iTunes, I really appreciate that also as well. You're absolutely awesome. Anyway, remember, never underestimate dream and keep living with Mojo. Thank you.